This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Thank you, Dania, for the news. My name is Rich Bradbury, of course. This is uh, Enterprise BizBytes here on BFM 89.9 at 12.06 here in the studio. This morning when I spoke to you at 10 a.m., uh, it was nice and bright outside. Now here in the Klang Valley and around TTDI, it's grey and horrible. Unlike here in the studio where it's bright. Anyway, uh, as we enter the tail end of the year, uh, Party Post Malaysia has launched their Influencer Marketing Report 2023. That consists of survey results from five Asian countries, uh, which include Singapore, Taiwan, the Philippines, Malaysia and Indonesia. And these results indicated that more than half of all the brands increased their marketing budget by up to 50% uh, between 2021 and 2022. Moreover, from that budget, more brands are using it for influencer marketing, with the percentage of brands increasing from 73.2% in 2021 to 87.8% in 2023. To shed some light on Party Post, they're an influencer marketing platform with a presence in eight Southeast Asian countries, including Singapore, Thailand, Malaysia, Vietnam, just to name a few of them. They help connect brands and everyday people, um, often known as micro or even nano influencers. They're also currently working with clients in various different industries. So we can look at beauty, FMCG, fashion, F&B, babies and children, education. I'm sure pets is probably on there as well, which seems to be a a big market. With that in mind, uh, I'm going to be exploring today on how Malaysian SMEs can leverage on influencer marketing to compete with industry giants the rising trend of micro-influencers and how they're helping SMEs target niche markets effectively, as well as how influencer marketing is reshaping the SME landscape here in Malaysia and the differences in strategies compared to traditional marketing. If you've got any thoughts, you can get us on our U-Mobile WhatsApp number. That is 018-789-8899. Or you can reach out to me on X. We are at BFM Radio. Now, helping me with this conversation is Andrea Ung, the country head for Party Post Malaysia. Andrea, welcome to the show. Hi, Richard. Thank you so much for having me on today. My pleasure. Thank you very much for joining us here in the studio. How are you feeling today? Pretty good, pretty good, despite the weather outside. It's grim, right? <laughs> it is, it is. Now, um, so you've expanded across these eight markets in Asia uh, with a network of around 900,000 uh, plus influencers. Mm-hmm. And based on that report, what kind of specific data or insights can you highlight about the impact of influencer marketing here in, in Malaysia? Yeah, that's a great question. Um Let's look back two years ago, post-MCO, things were starting to pick up already, right, when businesses started to open up and we started to see a massive spike in influencer marketing. Fast forward today, we've seen that grown close to double from just 33% of brands looking to spend with um, influencer marketing versus today where half of Malaysian brands are looking into influencer marketing itself. Mm. I think over the last couple of years as well, we've seen a boom in terms of influencers because there's obviously a demand for it. So we know that definitely influencer marketing strategies are coming up and you will also see we have a lot more new competitors these days, which we know we are in the right space. Um, And in terms of that itself, we're also seeing where users or people like up to 88% are actually more keen to look at influencer contents or accounts rather than brands. Mm. So that's where we're also seeing um, a lot of our clients and brands 
increasing the spend of their influencer marketing budget. So going anywhere from 10% up to 35 to 50% um, in the last two years itself. That's a considerable change. Yeah, yeah. It's been a crazy two years. Um, I think I've collected more wrinkles and stress marks, but I think it's been great <laughs> for a company's perspective. It was interesting, though, to, to kind of observe that market during the lockdowns as mm-hmm. well, and particularly some of the content that the influencers were posting as well, because mm-hmm. as a non-influencer, we've been observing it where it these one wonderful lifestyles that you'd see. You'd see holidays in Bali. You'd see, you know, high-end shopping and Mm -hmm. high-end cars and all of that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then during the MCO, you saw this kind of switch to (laughs) the more real kind of influencing. Is that a trend that you think is going to stay and stick around? Yeah, so exactly like how you said it, right? When people looked at influencers back then, it was a luxurious lifestyle you wanted to have, essentially. But I think with the whole lockdown and post that lockdown, people are looking at content that are more authentic, are more engaging, right? Um, there's a lot of talk around shoppertainment these days yeah. where if you want to sell, you've got to be entertaining. It's not just about looking good anymore, Mm-mm. right? How relatable you've, you've are you? You've got to be relatable, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So mm. a lot of these more... I guess authentic and raw contents are trending nowadays. So we also see brands opening up to being less restrictive with the kind of content. So giving um, the influencers freedom to write in their own style. Of course, you know, coming from an agency or brand perspective, we still put the guidelines Mm. essentially. Um, But yeah, we're giving them a lot of freedom or more freedom per se, because we know that's what people want. Mm. We want to hear from the influencer's perspective and we want to hear and see their content because that's why essentially we're following them, Mm. right? I mean, that's always what used to make me scratch my head. I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I know a bunch of influencers. I've worked with a bunch of influencers and it's like you hire them because of who they are and the Mm -hmm. content that they put out. And yet the brand is like, no, we want you to do it this way. We want you to do it that way. Uh, Which is, I understand it, like you say, from a Mm -hmm. brand perspective. But that influencer also has their brand. And it's that that you should be leveraging on, right? And not kind of trying to strong arm your own agenda, I guess. Yeah, I I can give examples. So we have brands that collaborate with some of the influencers. And then they would say, oh, we picked this influencer because there's really great reach and engagement. Let's say that's the metrics we're looking at. Mm. And then they come up with a really tight brief, the color codes, basically everything is planned, right? Mm, mm. And then when we do a post-campaign report, um, they say, oh, why did this one not do as good as the overall performance of the influencer? But when you look at all the other content, you sort of see like, well, this is their content style. They like to speak Manglish, for example, right? Yeah. Where they mix their words. But you require them to speak, let's say, perfect, perfect English. Perfect English, yeah. And, and, then, and then their users are like, that's not funny anymore. That doesn't relate to me. And, it, and it, that, becomes, yeah. it becomes something that sticks out rather yeah, than Yeah, exactly, uh, exactly. Yeah. So we've been doing that, I think, quite aggressively in the last couple of years where we're saying like, Yes, choose the influencer based on their niche, their interests. Yes, give them the guidelines. But remember, they know their followers the best because that's how they grew to mm. that follower range or, mm. you know, that community that they're in. Mm. Okay, so what advantages would you say that influencer marketing offers to SMEs here in Malaysia? Primarily when we compare it mm-hmm. to like other traditional marketing channels. Sure. Um, I guess the first thing we can look at is targeting the niche. Um, So when we look at influencers, not just at an industry-specific type of influencer, but the interest level, right? Because when we look at industry, which I think typically used to happen post a pre-MCO, where we're like, oh, this influencer has to be a beauty ambassador, for example. But now we're looking at influencers that have interests in these categories, beauty, health, lifestyle, right? So by working with these influencers, we can actually find our niche and get them to advocate for our product in a better way. Mm. 
Let's talk about um, the different mediums that we've got then mm-hmm. right now. I mean, if, sure. if you, there's a plethora of them right now. You know, we've got TikTok, yes. Instagram Reels, <laughs> YouTube Shorts. Um, and those kind of short form content really seem to hit the mark, especially mm-hmm. during during the pandemic. Um, it, do you see this as being the way forward for businesses to kind of um, successfully channel their audiences to a, to a wider target market? I mean, I, I don't want to say that people have shorter attention spans right now, <laughs> but people tend to have shorter attention spans. You know, everybody's competing for time. Yeah. Right. Do you see that as the way forward? Yeah. Um, right now, just looking at the Malaysian landscape, we know that 95% of them on average is scrolling through Instagram at least two to three hours a yeah. day, right, on average. And essentially, that short-form videos has started to pick up because people's short attention span, again, and so much more shorter when it comes to ads, right? So as I was sharing earlier, brands, uh, users prefer to see influencer accounts where they're more engaging, Um, Should we be leveraging on these short videos or IG Reels and TikToks? Yes, we should, essentially, because that's where the people we want. There's our potential customers, right? Mm -hmm. So we're looking at easily 30 to 40% of the Gen Zs on TikTok, 26% of the millennials on TikTok. And essentially, these are our current customers and also our future customers. So if we're not following the trend, we are not um, working closely with influencers to understand what kind of content works and engage with our customers, then Mm. essentially, we're missing out on that market pie as well. Yeah. What do you think that are some of the misconceptions when it comes to influencer marketing that you've come across? I love that question. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The first one I have to say is that influencer marketing delivers instant results. Um, That is one of the biggest misconceptions where brands tend to do one-off campaigns um, because maybe of budget or they're just testing it out. Mm. But um, I guess I could use for reference when we set up a social media account for a brand or a product, we wouldn't just post once, right? We will see how that post performs and we'll continue to tweak and create more content around it. And essentially, that's the same thing for influencer marketing, except you're leveraging on a person's expertise to talk about your product. Mm. So to say, oh, I do one-off and there's no results is... Not fair to say influencer marketing strategy didn't work. You kind of have to do it a couple of times to see how the content fruits, how well do you work with the influencer to tweak the content. And I think among other things is that a lot of people, like for example, for me, if I saw you, Richard, eating at the coffee shop downstairs one time, like, oh, okay, he's trying something new. But if you're constantly eating at that same coffee shop, be like, hey, what's great there? Or I'll probably mm. be like, hey, did you have shares in this cafe or something? Like, I would start to be interested or curious about Mm-mm. why you're going there. So essentially, it's the same thing with um, influencer marketing. you got to keep enforcing that content, that marketing strategy before mm. you see it work. Just before we take a break then, sure. I mean, one of the questions I, I want to ask you is, there, there are times when there's a particular brand who... Mm-hmm really, really, really want a particular influencer, you know, Mm -hmm. and that particular influencer might not be in their niche, Mm -hmm. but it might be because they have huge numbers. Like you say, they might have huge reach. Um, What, how do you kind of negotiate that conversation with that brand to Mm -hmm. say, look, you know, we know that you want these numbers, Mm -hmm. but this person might not be right for you because of what they do and how they do it. And despite yeah. that, that brand is like, no, we, we want this. <laughs> and I know you've had the that brand conversation. Is always right. The brand <laughs> is always right. We do try to advise them. But I think at the end of the day, it comes down to the main objective. Are we trying to get the reach? Are we trying to get the engagement? Do we just want um, something on a brand awareness level? Or do we really want to get specific to talking to our customers, right? So for example, if you want a billboard, you'd probably engage someone more famous or a macro level, right? Where the content is more editorial, it's more aesthetic. Mm. But if you want someone that is talking directly to your consumers, for example, you want to get them to 
try a new product launch, then it's a different objective altogether. Then depending on that objective is how we would advise our clients. Um, but again, we can always test with them first. So if they are open to testing, we can look, okay, we can try this influencer. But if it doesn't work, then let's try the other way as well. Right. Okay, we need to take a short break. Folks, if you have any questions for myself or for Andrea, you can get in touch via our U-Mobile WhatsApp number, 018-789-8899. You can also get us on X. We are at BFM Radio. Uh, When we come back, we'll be looking at the possible best way to identify suitable influencers maybe for your business, particularly if you're an SME. Uh, We'll be right back after these messages. We've got some music coming up as well from Suede with... New generation here on BFM 89.9, the business station. Banish feudal mentality. BFM 89.9, the business station. Folks, welcome back to Enterprise BizBytes. My name is Rich Bradbury. Of course, that was swayed with New Generation. I'm in the studio with Andrea Ung, the country head for Party Post Malaysia. We're talking about influencer marketing, micro-influencers, nano-influencers. Um, Andrea, now, I talked to you just briefly ago about how we've got um, TikTok, Instagram Reels, and mm-hmm. all of the other ones. Have you noticed a shift in the ecosystem then from micro-influencers and, and traditional influencers? And how can these micro-influencers compete, I guess, with some of the more popular figures that we're seeing? And is it necessary to compete? Mm, that's a great question. Um, I won't say it's a competition here. I mean, from a brand's perspective, what is the objective we are trying to achieve? So for certain tiers of influencers, they help us to achieve different types of objectives. So for example, if we're looking at a pure reach um, then maybe we want someone famous to endorse that brand. And of course, we look at the bigger celebrities or the macro influencers. But if you want to focus on something that's more niche or towards your interest group or your consumers group, or let's say a product review, then you would look at the micro and nano influencer segment where they share more product reviews. Mm. They're more willing to test the products, right? And also because they're starting up, they tend to be more genuine. They tend to be more honest. open and honest. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. exactly. Because they, they want to build their audience, right? Exactly. Okay. Now, obviously, um, there's a bunch of SMEs out there who have kind of looked at this and, mm-hmm. and maybe been a bit scared because, they're, as you said earlier on, uh, there are a lot of influencers right now, whether or not they're nano, micro, macro, cute, whatever. Yeah. What would you say is the best way for um, an SME to identify the kind of right partnership? You know, how, mm-hmm. how would they look at and find that right person? Got it. I think the first thing is when we tend to look from our brand perspective or from inside, right? We always say, okay, these are demographics. This is what our brand message is. This is our brand persona. But when we're engaging influencers, we can't apply that same sort of packaging, right? We need to look at, okay, let's zoom out a little bit. What are the interest categories are we looking at? Who are our target audience and what kind of content are they interested? What kind of, um, you know, brands or USPs are they looking for if they're our everyday customers? Then essentially using that information to work backwards. Mm. Then identify those influencers that speak to that customer audience or that follower base. Mm. And we, we we mentioned it before, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, maybe the influencer is not the right match for, for the brand or whatever. What are some of the other common pitfalls though, that you've seen from SMEs, yeah. where, not just SMEs, but uh, other organizations when they're trying to employ or work with a particular influencer? Mm. Um, 
I guess one thing is super important is to get the objective clear, right? What are you trying to make out of the campaign? So I think one thing that's super important to communicate both with the agency or the influencer is that what is the content strategy? What is the whole ideation of this influencer marketing campaign, mm. right? Then we go down into doing the research of how do we identify these right influencers? Not just looking at a follower base, again, looking back into who their followers are, what kind of interest groups do they reach out to? What are their communities, essentially? Mm then I think two points that we tend to miss out when we do influencer marketing is because it's branding and awareness, sometimes we forego tracking. And why is that super important? Because as I shared earlier, influencer marketing is not a one-off thing. You have to keep growing and looking yeah. at it. Yeah. So if we're not tracking the performance, the reach, the engagement, let's say we're adding links right to our shop. If we're not tracking those on a monthly basis, at least, how do we know if it's working? Mm. How do we tweak and improve that? So I think tracking is super important that um, I have spoken to some brands previously and I said, oh, no, we just got a bunch of content and then we took the likes. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but then you get the other stuff, like how many right. audience did it reach, right, right? right? Did people click on your link? Right. Yeah. I mean, I was going to ask you about that. Do you think mm -hmm. that there are, I mean, here's the thing. When, you, when you've got bigger influencers, they're aware of how important that data is, yep. right? And how important tracking that data is from, from space to space. Mm -hmm. But when you have micro-influencers and nano-influencers who might just be getting involved yes. and suddenly they've heard from a brand, or, or an agency, they mm -hmm. might not be aware of, of to how much detail they do actually have to go into post campaign. Yeah, you know, yeah. and so they they they're not keeping track of their data. They're forgetting to do one thing or another, and of course, the agency is knocking mm. on their door saying, "Oh, okay, what was your engagement like? What was this like?" Yeah, how do you deal with that? Um, I can't speak for all companies, but for us at least, we make sure that there is a very clear alignment in the beginning. So we'll align with the brand what are the information you need what are your objectives you need and this will align the content direction and the guidelines that's super important because once they create a content we do see oftentimes brand goes back and forth and you kind of make a really sour relationship yeah. both ways yeah. so getting that clear and upfront with the brand then aligning it with the influencers and keep that you know, throughout the whole campaign. And if we tweak, we always do it on a second campaign where we test, right? Mm. We can't A-B test midway. We've got mm. to A-B test one after the other. Um, so yeah, we also do a lot of education. Um, there's a lot of even free forums that influencers can, if you're really looking to embark on that journey for an influencer, right? There are a lot of, you can Google it. There's a lot of free forums. You can actually see how can you get these metrics. What should you be tracking? And I think some influencers, the bigger guys as well, have put out, they're like, hey, guys, you if you want to sell yourself better, you want to work with bigger brands, essentially that's the goal, mm. you need to know where to find your reach, your engagement, your impressions. Mm, mm. Um, there is more education on that. Um, we internally at Party Polls also try to run these kind of workshops for our influencers. Um, but I also think there's a lot of available inf information if they actually do want to you know, be more involved with the brands mm. from influencer perspective. Great stuff. Having said that, um, I guess, can you give me some, not me personally, <laughs> uh, but how this is at home, you know, tips, good strategies, you know, cost-effective uh, marketing strategies that might be useful for SMEs that are, let's say, uh, budget conscious. Mm, got it. Um, at the end of the day, we all know that how much you put in is how much you get out, right? Essentially, um, there's a lot of stigma around, oh, influencer marketing is the most expensive strategy. 
Um, it might not be the cheapest strategy, but it's also how do you maximize your ROI from the dollar spend mm. or what, what are you tracking out of that dollar spend? Um, so I wouldn't always say that influencer marketing is the cheapest, but it's also something you have more versatility with. So you have X amount of budget. Then let's refine the objective. Back to that jo- objective again. Then back into what kind of KPIs are we measuring? What kind of ROIs do we want to look at? So essentially when we do that whole media budgeting and we look at, oh, actually it's not that much if we mm. look at cost per influencer or cost per engagement. Mm. Um, but yeah, a lot of planning in terms of like, make sure it's clear what you want to achieve, make sure you're getting the right metrics and um, making sure you're getting the best out of your ROI or your marketing spend. I think I've got one question for you just before I let you go. Sure. Uh, we, for a while, I think a lot of people thought marketing, uh, influencer marketing was something that was going to go. Mm. Um Maybe, south? Yes, south, <laughs> south is a good way of putting it, yeah. But obviously, as, as we're hearing from yeah. these numbers, it, it's doing the opposite, you know. It, mm-hmm, it's actually mm-hmm. growing. How pivotal do you think it will be um, for businesses in the near future, considering the fact that a lot of industries are already implementing it into their marketing strategies, uh, mm-hmm. since it does relate to, to brand loyalty and customer relationships and retention, right? How do you see it changing over the next few years? Mm. Um, just based on some research we've done this year itself, we've seen brands spending about $19 billion in total, and we see that going up to close to another 50% in the next four years, essentially. Um, yes, with brands pumping more money into influencer marketing, the brands are getting smarter as well, how they pick their influencers um, and refining their campaigns. Um, I definitely do think it's something that if we are not adopting, we're missing out on. Because it's not just about us sometimes when we're in the brand space or the agency space, but it's about where our customers are, right? At mm. the end of the day, everyone is on a mobile phone. Everyone is dabbling into social content. Um, there is a lot of hype again around um, shoppertainment, um, online shopping. I don't think I buy things from the store. I probably go to the store, try it out, but I go home and still buy it right. at that convenience. Yeah. So yeah. if we're not moving into that space, we're missing out on customers, essentially. Do you think then the customer is becoming more discerning nowadays as well and, and more aware of when something is being pushed to them? Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Um, but I guess that's where also multiple times that they see the content super important. So we do see, um, based on our research, that each person needs to see something at least twice. So that's where we're talking to brands a lot about mass marketing. So get a lot of people to talk about your brand because essentially you create that FOMO effect, right? And people talking to people, you can't take that away no matter if we go into more digitization, which is great for us, but you can't take away that human interaction. Like I would believe you when you sell to me, but if I just saw an ad selling to me, I'd probably not be as engaged. Right. So yeah, can't take that human touched away from it. Andrea, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me, Richard. My pleasure. Folks, I've been in the studio with Andrea Ung. She's the country head for Party Post uh, Malaysia. Um, Now, if you want to find out more information uh, about Party Post, of course, you can head over to their website. Andrea, I'll give you a quick plug. What's their website? www.partypost.com There you go. And if you missed any part of this conversation, don't forget you can download the podcast. It's available via our website, or you can download it from the BFM app. That's available in the Apple App Store or Google Play. Don't go anywhere, though, because coming up after the news, it's the Breakfast Grill replay. And this morning it was with Brandon Spencer, the president of ABB Energy Industries. According to the International Energy Agency, energy accounts for more than three quarters of global greenhouse gas emissions, with oil and gas operations alone making up 15% of that pie. Is there a pathway for the energy sector to achieve the ambitious target of net zero emissions by 2050? 
all discussed this morning on The Breakfast Grill. Don't go anywhere. That's all coming up after the one o'clock news. Of course, we have some music to take us up to the top of the hour from Incubus with Wish You Were Here, here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.